Welcome to The Love Booth in Other Plays, a play by Tara Goldstein with contributions from Alec Butler and Jenny Salisbury, and music and lyrics composed by Kale Reed. I am playwright Tara Goldstein, and I am so glad you've joined us. The Lies in the Library Two years before the advancement showed up to support Shirley Chisholm in Boston, a group of gay librarians started promoting gay literature and gay people's lives to challenge what they called the lies in the library. The Lies in the Library brings Barbara Giddings back to the stage to talk about the activist work of these librarians and why she joined their group. Barbara says this, Back in 1949, when I was in my first year of college, I came out to myself. I knew I was gay, but I didn't know what it meant to be gay. What was in store for me? There wasn't anyone I could ask. So I went to the library to find out. The writing about gay people and gay lives was cruelly clinical. There was nothing about love. Being gay was always bad, grim, hopeless. But that wasn't me at all. Barbara understood the written word has a powerful effect on people and the distorted images of our lives had to be stopped. The lies in the libraries had to be changed. Setting, a library. Two years before the advancement showed up to support Shirley Chisholm in Boston, a group of gay librarians, fired up by the 1969 Stonewall Rebellion, decided to challenge what we called the lies in the library by promoting gay literature and gay people's lives. Gay books? Libraries? That rang bells for me. Back in 1949, when I was in my first year of college, I came out to myself. I knew I was gay, but I didn't know what it meant to be gay. What was in store for me? There wasn't anyone I could ask. So I went to the library to find out. The writing about gay people and gay lives was cruelly clinical. There was nothing about love. Being gay was always bad, grim, hopeless. But that wasn't me at all. I stopped going to classes and instead ran around to libraries trying to find out what it meant to be gay. I read about myself in categories like sexual perversions and started to worry. When I flunked out of college and returned home in disgrace, I couldn't explain to my parents what was wrong, and I still didn't know anyone I could talk to about being gay. So, back to the stacks I went. This time, I was luckier. I found fiction homosexuality. In these stories, homosexuality was often an agony, and the endings were usually unhappy, but, but the characters weren't case histories but people who had feelings, who loved, and who experienced moments of happiness. They made me feel much better about being a lesbian. And I spent the next few years in the rare book room, reading books about gay lives and browsing in secondhand bookshops looking for gay novels. When I joined the tiny gay movement back in 1958, I didn't have a lot of time to read anymore. But working in the movement showed me that the written word has a powerful effect on people, and the distorted images of our lives had to be stopped. 
the lies in the library had to be changed. Our group, called the Task Force on Gay Liberation, did all kinds of things. We gave out the first Gay Book Award to Isabel Miller for her book, A Place for Us, which was later published as Patience and Sarah. We gave out 3,000 copies of our latest gay bibliography, which featured a big, bold, gay is good logo on the top. But it was our decision to bypass books and show gay love that put us in the limelight. We set up a booth in the exhibit hall of the American Library Association, just like the love booth, but this one was called Hug a Homosexual. We took turns hanging out in the booth, waiting, smiling, ready to give free same-sex kisses and hugs. The aisles were jammed. Hundreds of visitors crowded around and craned their necks to see the action. But no one came into the booth. So we kissed each other and handed out our bibliographies. A photographer from Life magazine was there. So were two local Dallas television crews. Our hug and kissing booth did its work. At the end of the conference, the American Library Association passed a pro-gay resolution that recommended that libraries fight discrimination in service to and employment of people from all minority groups, ethnic, sexual, religious, or any other kind. It was an important victory that was followed by many more. Until our first big disappointment in 1986 at the ALA Midwinter Conference. We had arranged for a full-scale, big-room program on AIDS awareness, the library's role. We expected a big crowd. But we didn't get one. Despite, despite the fact that the year before, in 1985, Ryan White, a teenager from Indiana living with AIDS, made international news when he was banned from school. A year later, Larry Kramer started ACT UP in New York, and all hell broke loose. But for shame, librarians came to AIDS awareness late. Too late. They discovered the lies in the library, distorted images of their lives. Case histories, clinical assessments, agonizing stories with unhappy endings. So they did what all good gay activists do. They formed a working crew and organized a booth. Took the task force for gay liberation to the American Library Association. Hug a homosexual, they named their stall. And it's funny how so many straight folks came out to watch them all. Their amorous demonstration prompted a pro-gay resolution. But in the 80s, AIDS swept so many away. Racialized people, gay men, intravenous drug users, blood transfusion patients. But the ALA was too late to help educate. You've been listening to The Love Booth and Other Plays. For information about us, visit our website, www.gaileyroad.com. Thank you.